Good evening. The United States Senate prepares for an unprecedented impeachment of a former president, the new coronavirus variants more deadly, Olympics in peril, and the fallout from a serial killer's spree in New York City housing projects. Who's at the switch of the nation's largest public housing authority? With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, January 24th, 2021. As the chances of convicting former President Donald Trump in a Senate trial narrows, Senate Democrats show no signs of letting up. Even as the new president, Joe Biden, says he wants all hands on deck to counter the coronavirus pandemic and fix the ailing economy. Two cabinet-level posts, Secretary of Defense and Department of National Intelligence, have been confirmed, but there are delays in confirming the Homeland Security chief, and a major confirmation begins this week with Janet Yellen vying for Treasury Secretary. On Friday, President Biden said it's crucial to get a running start. Across the board, if we act now, we'll be better able to compete with the world. If we act now, we'll be better able to meet our moral obligations to one another as Americans. I don't believe the people of this country just want to stand by and watch their friends, their neighbors, co-workers, fellow Americans go hungry, lose their homes or lose their sense of dignity and hope and respect. I don't believe that, especially in the middle of a pandemic that's so weakened and wrecked so much havoc and caused so much pain on America. That's not who we are. The bottom line is this. We're in a national emergency. We need to act like we're in a national emergency. So we've got to move with everything we've got. And we've got to do it together. And as President Biden, the president made his remarks before signing two executive orders, expanding food stamps and beginning the process requiring federal agencies to pay a $15 minimum wage. Meanwhile, the Senate has a deal on moving ahead with Trump's trial while also pressing on with the confirmations. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. The House managers will come to read the article of impeachment at 7 p.m. on Monday, January 25th. Members will then be sworn in the next day, Tuesday, January 26th. After that, both the House managers and the defense will have a period of time to draft their legal briefs, just as they did in previous trials. During that period, the Senate will continue to do other business for the American people, such as cabinet nominations and the COVID relief bill, which would provide relief for millions of Americans who are suffering during this pandemic. Then, once the briefs are drafted, presentation by the parties will commence the week of February the 8th, the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, incited by Donald J. Trump, was a day none of us will ever forget. We all want to put this awful chapter in our nation's history behind us. But healing and unity will only come if there is truth and accountability. And that is what this trial will provide. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And as the world's vac- as the pardon me as the worldwide vaccination program continues with the massive rollout of anti-COVID vaccines, there are signs of serious problems. On Friday, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced a new variant of the disease may not only be more contagious 
but more deadly. I must tell you this afternoon that we've been informed today that in addition to spreading more quickly, it also now appears that there is some evidence that the new variant, the variant that was first identified in London and the southeast, may be associated with a higher degree of mortality. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The Director of Immunizations, Vaccines and Biologicals of the World Health Organization is Dr. Kathleen, pardon me, Dr. Catherine O'Brien. She says the underlying problem is the new variant is more easily spread and the answer is to get the disease under control as soon as possible. Um, As you know, there are a number of variants that have been identified. The one in the United Kingdom, the variant of Concern 2020-1201. We have been working daily uh, with our colleagues in our European regional office, as well as across the United Kingdom at Public Health England and many academic institutions, looking at transmission, looking at severity. Um, And from the information we have seen from them, there are studies that are ongoing looking at hospitalization rates, looking at mortality. Um, From the data we've seen, and we do need to get the information that you just reported on. Um, They haven't seen an increase in severity, but again, we need to find out what uh, you are referring to. We should say that if you have increased transmissibility, um, you will have more cases. I know that might sound obvious, but you'll have more cases, you'll have more hospitalizations, and you'll have uh, more people, an overburdened healthcare system. And in a situation where you have an overburdened healthcare system, you can have increased deaths. And that is Dr. Catherine O'Brien, Director of Immunizations, Vaccines, and Biologicals of the World Health Organization. Last year, Trump had pulled the United States out of the WHO, claiming it had covered up the seriousness of what Trump had repeatedly called the China virus. Trump was widely seen as covering up his own inaction. In the first months of the pandemic, Trump had repeatedly said the disease would go away by itself. One of President Biden's first actions was to order the United States to rejoin the world body. Meanwhile, in the United States, more than 40 percent of Americans now live in areas running out of ICU space. That's the intensive care units with only 15 percent of beds still available, doubling the share of U.S. hospitals nearing the breaking point. Hospitalizations are still very high in the West and South, with over 80,000 current COVID-19 hospital patients in those regions. The number of cases reported in the U.S. since the pandemic start surpassed 25 million on Sunday. And the Tokyo Olympics are 151 days away, and much of Japan is in a COVID-19 state of emergency. As rumors are flying, the Japanese government has concluded the games can't be held. The director of health emergencies of the WHO is Dr. Mike Ryan. He says the decision is up to Japan. It is difficult to think about the Olympics in the context when you have an emergency situation ongoing in Tokyo and you have the prospect of the Olympics. And I can fully understand people's concerns and we can fully understand the desire of the government to move ahead with what is a very symbolic global event and one of great prestige, I'm sure, for the Japanese people. So there are many trade-offs here, and I've said this before. There are no easy answers. Um, Science uh, and policy are not the same thing. Data drives science. Science can advise government. Governments make policies. Policies are in the real world. They must balance scientific realities against the social realities, the economic realities, and the political realities. Uh, And the Japanese government is in a difficult position. But I am sure the Japanese government will consult with its own society. It will consult uh, as it always does. And it will come to the appropriate decision at the appropriate time. We all hope in the Olympics, but we all recognize that everyone right now is a little afraid as we enter the new year with some uncertainties. So um, stay the course. 
uh, and I believe the Japanese government will, like all governments, I hope, always act in the best interest and according to the will of its people. And Dr. Ryan then addressed the issue of China and whether China's uh, recent claims that the virus started outside of their borders are accurate. And you cannot tell what the image says by looking at one piece in a 10,000 piece jigsaw puzzle. You can guess and you're entitled to your guess and you're entitled to your opinion, but that doesn't make you right. Uh, so I think we all have to, again, we keep saying this, let's step back, let's follow the evidence, let's follow the science. Our team are on the ground, they're having a good experience working with our Chinese colleagues. We're working through the data. The data will lead us to the next phase, where we need to go next to look at the origins of this virus. Dr. Mike Ryan is a Director of Health Emergencies of the WHO. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. And the alleged serial killer who's accused of murdering at least three elderly women at a NYCHA senior complex in Brooklyn was ordered held without bail at his court appearance Friday. Kevin Gavin, 66, is charged with three counts of secondary murder in the deaths of Juanita Caballero, Myrtle McKinney, Jacolia James, and Jacolia James at the Carter G. Woodson Senior Houses in Brownsville over the past six years. Public advocate Jumani Williams reflected the rage and fear of the NYCHA community at a news conference today. NYCHA failed to install security cameras as it promised. I am incensed. I'm outraged. I don't even know what the right word is. That we lost three grandmothers. Three grandmothers. Murdered and fell because their elevator was out. That's what happened. And we have been trying for so many years, many of us, to explain that we have to discuss what actually makes a community safe. What is public safety? And if this doesn't magnify the importance of that conversation and how the importance of that conversation not just send as many Police officers, we can. I don't know what what would be if senior citizens are dying, and this is simply because of failed management, lack of resources, lies, neglect. Like this is death that did not have to occur. Just last week, I and, and I think. The chairwoman who was on call as well, we discussed with many resident leaders what was happening in NYCHA, what what, what can we do? I got to tell you, I don't even remember one of them. Biggest complaint being to provide more uh, police officers. They discussed things like the cameras. They discussed things like just having doors that can lock. They discussed having repairs. They discussed the rats. They discussed mold. They discussed lead. They discussed no heat and hot water. There's a failure at every level of government here, and I'm, I'm sick of it. This mayoral administration has been no better than the last and has possibly been worse. The state has been no better than the previous one. The federal government is out to lunch. Eleanor Dole, Juanita Caballero, Myrtle McKinney, Jacolia James, senior citizens, black women, grandmothers who died and government needs to answer. This is criminal. We've heard lies upon lies and unfair promises. That, that community was promised cameras. That never happened. 
You cannot tell me if this was another building that wasn't NYCHA, that we wouldn't have the response years ago when one person was killed. One person probably wouldn't even gotten killed because they would have gotten attention and the resources that they need. These people are dead because of what they look like and because of where they live. And this administration has failed them time and time again. You look at the COVID numbers. You look at where the vaccines are going. You look at who's dying because of COVID. And we're sick of it. And that is public advocate Jumani Williams. Prosecutors say Gavin has confessed to the crimes and is due back in court on January 27th. Police are still investigating if there may be other victims and investigators say they have suspected he might be a killer since 2019. They say he befriended, took advantage of, and then murdered his victims, starting with the 82-year-old McKinney in November of 2015. Court documents show he told investigators that he pushed Myrtle McKinney into a table where a steak knife was located, and it punctured her. The problems at NYCHA are, go deeper, though, than a serial killer in one building. In fact, uh, there are many, many stories of how uh, NYCHA has been unable to, NYCHA management has been unable to meet the needs of the tenants of the buildings, the largest uh, public housing projects in the entire United States. Annette Dow, the daughter of an elderly woman who died after slipping and falling in a NYCHA stairwell because her elevator was broken, said her mom would be alive if NYCHA did its job. All the right things by calling NYCHA to put in tickets to let them know that the elevator was running with problems. It did not stop on her floor. She lived on 19. So with her putting in the tickets and they failing her not fixing the elevators, she had to walk down to the next floor to see if it stopped there. And then the, with her doing that, she slipped, hit her head, and now I'm without my mother and my best friend. She called the December 30th, December 31st, January 1st, and my mother fell January 2nd because the elevator did not stop on her floor. She would be here with me today because she would have no reason to walk down if it stopped on her floor. And that's Annette Dow's mother died after a fall in a NYCHA stairway. City Council member Alicia Ampre Samuels spoke about the incessant problems with NYCHA management. In December of 2020, just last month, HUD allocated $24.7 million to NYCHA exclusively for safety and security in December. $24.7 million. $17.3 million of those dollars went to three developments, two in East Harlem and one downtown Brooklyn Fort Green, Walt Whitman. Now, I don't know what three developments are doing with $17.3 million to address safety and security when Woodson houses the cost for cameras and security was only $680,000 and they couldn't get that done. $680,000. And now we have four seniors dead today, murdered, and in that same building, 12 seniors were found dead in 2020. And they said it was COVID related, but no one really knows. 12 seniors in 303 Powell Street. There's no more words. You know, I just want to see action. And action is we're looking at a budget that's coming up now. And the budget should reflect how we prioritize the residents of public housing, how we prioritize 
our most vulnerable, how we prioritize our precious gems. City Council Member Alicia Amprey Samuel and Council Member Vanessa Gibson had this to say. I do think with the incoming new Secretary Marsha Fudge that we will see some difference, some changes. And we have a lot of commitments from Congresswoman Velasquez and Congresswoman Maxine Waters in regards to the $40 billion that would be allocated specifically to NYCHA. But if we're talking directly about the blueprint for change, the residents have some serious problems with that particular initiative, that proposal that was released, um, because it does not at all include input and um, the actual language and what the residents would like to see happen. And that would require a converting of every single NYCHA unit from Section 9 to Section 8. And so I do, if we are going to be able to receive some $40 billion from the federal government, is there a need to convert all of the units to Section 8? I do not believe so. Councilmember Vanessa Gibson, we're going to talk a moment in a moment about the uh, move to convert housing from uh, public housing into privatized housing, uh, which is what Councilmember Gibson was just referring to. Uh, with a mayoral election coming this year, candidates are weighing in. A candidate for city council and advocate for NYCHA residents is Marnie Halasa. She says the problems with NYCHA start at the top management of the organization. Divestment has been happening for like <laughs> for decades. So, um, you know, what I've heard is that a tenant will call and want to repair. Uh, then the ticket gets closed, but the tenant never got that repair. Um, and somebody's getting that money. Um, you know, a lot of uh, what a lot of city council candidates are talking about and myself is that what we would like to do is actually if we get an office, we would like to do an audit of all the city agencies and especially NYCHA because, you know, people are not getting the repairs that they need. And the money is there. A lot of this money has already been allocated. So if it has been, where is it going? And, you know, you also have, you know, people like the CEO of NYCHA, Greg Russ, um, also the federal monitor. Um, you know, like, like it seems like they're just sort of like hands off and they're not really, you know, watching what's happening uh, and taking full responsibility for that. So so you have like NYCHA management also with this sort of hands-off attitude and, you know, that's not good. And then the people who really suffer are the tenants. So, um, you know, there, there really does need to be a complete overhaul of all the city agencies, including NYCHA, but then also like the management of NYCHA, like, like the top top levels of management, Greg Russ, um, and Bart Schwartz, they need to get really involved. And also, there's Audrey Schwartz, who could actually hold Mayor de Blasio accountable for what's going on with the NYCHA HUD settlement. She's nowhere to be seen. And it's the tenants that really suffer. And when you have these kinds of tragedies, somebody's responsible for that. And I really believe it's upper-level NYCHA management. They said in this press conference that if this had happened in a housing, similar housing project that wasn't a NYCHA housing project, this never would have happened. People being murdered in their hallways by their, one of their neighbors or falling down the stairs because the elevator didn't work. This would never happen in a white community, let's say. it. Correct. And you see the racial disparity. The pandemic obviously has shown us there's so many racial disparities in, in so many areas. Also, especially with public housing, you see this. And it's really a shame. But again, I go back to NYCHA needs to be fully funded. And you have people like Nydia Velasquez and also Jerry Nadler talking about fully funding public housing 
across the whole nation. And that's really what needs to happen. Unfortunately, you have people like Greg Russ and Bart Schwartz talking about this rad conversion, which is an eviction machine. And one tenant was like a 90-year-old elderly man. And his daughter was like, why are there these $10 fees on my father's rent? People are... Explain the fees briefly. They didn't know. They're like, all the, there's these fees that are now coming down on people's leases after this RAD conversion. And they're just like, what, what is this? We didn't sign up for this. What's a RAD and conversion, briefly? RAD conversion is rental assistance demonstration. The Mayor de Blasio's plan to privatize 62,000 NYCHA apartments in the city. It's under the guise of repairs. But kind of what's happening is... In Brooklyn, I just attended a rally with Victoria Cambrena. She's a city council candidate in Brooklyn. And those rad convert, those, those repairs are going on, but the elevators still aren't working. Um, the Romanian, um, workers hadn't gotten paid since December. Really, really shoddy repairs. And so the tenants, independence towers are sort of like victoria went in there and they're like oh my god can you help us because our elevators aren't working the construction is shoddy workers are claiming that they're not going to finish the repairs because they haven't gotten paid you know since like a trump's organization type it's just it's such a hot mess and it comes down on people of color and you know under the 1964 fair housing act that's disparate impact. If there's a disproportionate impact, a negative impact on people of color, it therefore really is, it's illegal and something should be done. And so you just see that these are racist. RAD is a racist housing policy. RAD is an eviction machine. RAD has been done under the guise that, oh, we're going to give NYCHA tenants all these wonderful repairs and they're going to have these new spanking apartments. And that's not the case, and that's not happening. It's really unfortunate. I know at Fulton and Chelsea Elliott in my district that the tenants don't want RAD. The mayor's working group was done in secret, which is definitely illegal under the open meetings law, which is a law in New York State. But those meetings are secret, and and the tenants are not getting the information that they need, and they're not consenting to it, and they also have... 700 signatures in a petition that say they don't want privatization. And it still goes on. Also, what you see is nonprofit organizations like Legal Aid Society and Community Service Society, who they're supposed to be helping the tenants, they're part of the mayor's RAD roundtable. So it's a completely rigged situation. And then you have Community Board 4 that's also pushing privatization because there are many people involved with like the nonprofit real estate developer industrial <laughs> complex they're involved too so you have the community board that is also like in bed with real estate and in bed with the elected officials and nobody has come out against rad the only person who's come out against rad has been harvey epstein it's just this completely rigged thing and it just the tenants are screaming against it and it's it's one of the most disturbing things I've ever ever seen. The tenants don't want it. And who should we advocate for? We should advocate for the tenants, obviously. And that's definitely not happening. This is Marnie Halasa, an advocate for NYCHA residents. And finally, family members of a city resident set to be deported Monday rallied alongside an activist in Foley Square Sunday, calling for his extradition to be canceled. 27-year-old Yaver Javier Castillo Maradiaga 
came to the U.S. from Honduras when he was seven years old. He's currently at a detention center in Louisiana, one of a group of undocumented immigrants set to be deported at 2 a.m. Monday morning. This comes despite President Joe Biden signing an executive order halting most deportations for 100 days for those who arrived in the U.S. prior to November of 2020. Maradiaga's sister, Dariela Moncada, called for the immigrant community to work together to fight against immigration authorities. She said, I'm a dreamer. This is my dream. I have a daughter that is a U.S. citizen. I don't think that when we came to this country, we were going to do anything bad. She added, my brother Yaver, he was stopped and frisked. That's illegal. We have to stop feeding the police. NYPD is feeding ICE. ICE claims that Maradiaga is not protected under Biden's new order, which is already facing a federal lawsuit from the state of Texas. And that's some of the news for Sunday, January 24th, 2021. The news was produced by Linda Perry, our engineer's Max Schmid. From New York City, for the WBAI News, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.